It's the Ag Ship Podcast. I'm Patrick Mayhorn, creator of the Ag Ship, a credentialed newsletter covering Utah State football, men's and women's basketball, and Olympic sports, women's basketball, men's basketball, coming very soon here. I think it's within about a month that those will be rolling around, which is both very exciting and also uh, terrifying, because that is a lot of things that go on in November. We're going to cover all of it. I'm joined, as always, by co-host Parker Ballantyne. Parker, how's it going, man? What's up, Patrick? Yeah, I mean, football's in full swing. Football, or uh, yeah, football's in full swing, and then men's and women's basketball coming right up. They can't come soon enough. It's uh, it's a good time to be uh, an Aggie. Good time to be a sports fan for sure. Yeah. Um, how you doing, man? I'm doing well. I uh, I forgot to say the name of the website, the <laughs> the domain. It's www.theagship.com. <laughs> if you'd like to subscribe at the six or ten dollar tier, uh, go on over there. If you have not already, you will get written written a whole bunch of stuff. Um all kinds of content over there. The written preview for this is, I would assume, if I have done my job, out by the time you're listening to this. And so <laughs> go check that out if you have not already. would love to have you. Um, we are previewing, as we always do here on the weekday show, the upcoming game for Utah State football. They are playing Colorado State. This is a matchup that carries with it some connotations because it seems like it is always, always, always a very, very weird football game. Um, and I would not expect anything less here. I think it's going to be, uh, there's a lot to talk about. <laughs> I'll say that there's a lot to talk about here as we jump into this one. Um, Parker, any objections to just jumping right in here? No, no objections. You, you said it. It's, it's weird. This is a weird matchup. It's a weird team. They're a weird team. We're kind of a weird team. Yeah. Uh, I, if I was a betting man, I would sit this week out. Yeah. There's if I was a if I was a betting man, I would. That could happen. <laughs> yeah, if I was a betting man, I would I would look at this. I'd take one look at this and I would run in the other direction. I would not. Yeah, no, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> yeah, there's there's no way to know. We're gonna do our best, but there's no way to know what's gonna happen this game. That's been true mm-hmm. when these two teams meet <laughs> for the past at least half decade. Yeah. Um. Let's let's run through those while we're on the topic. Let's just run through some of these games. Aggie yeah. fans are going to recognize at least kind of the gist of some of these, if not the details. Going back to you know, twenty eighteen is the the paramount just weird game. It's the the infamous what the hell just happened game. The mm-hmm. famous call by you know that 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 call by Scotty G with the illegal touching. Um, Colorado State throws a hail mary pass to win the game. Uh, their receiver. Um, stepped out of bounds illegally came back in and caught the ball so it was called back yeah um 2019 i think was pretty straightforward utah state won if i remember right it was back home and it was really cold and snowy i think so i mean probably miserable for for the rams players to have to come to logan in the snow and get beat 2020 is uh right up there with the 2018 season uh game at least in just pure chaos they uh utah state was set to travel to Colorado state to play. And because of some things happening off the field, basically the team decided to to hang their cleats up a, a week early and end their season. They forfeit that game um, in what would have probably been a revenge game for the Rams. Utah state was not good that year. No, I can imagine that those Rams, the players that had been there for a year or two were very excited to bring Utah state in and just, beat them into the turf yeah um and we 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 don't show up that year um 2021 was the other really really chaotic year where they had a chance to uh kick a field goal to win it and they blew the field goal yeah and then yeah rushing onto the field just not 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 paramount to hitting a field goal traditionally (laughs) no it's it generally doesn't work 
2022 uh, was was less chaotic, but it was the Bishop Bishop Davenport making his debut. He was a third string quarterback. Yeah. Cooper Lagar got the job a couple weeks earlier and, and went down with a concussion that game. Um, so kind of a frustrating loss. Do you have any other notes on kind of those those five games? I mean, it's it's been a roller coaster, but it's been like very lopsided. Utah State four and zero really, um, and then yeah. the one four and one I guess with the forfeit in twenty nineteen. It's been a lopsided matchup but probably should not have been over the over the years it's been chaos these teams they're it's wild yeah it's been lopsided in the final result the the win-loss record but everything about it other than that has been it's just it's very competitive it's always competitive it always comes down seemingly to the last couple plays or the last play um the uh i i of course saw the 2022 game up close in person um, in uh, in Colorado State's new stadium, which everyone seems to be very taken by. I don't really understand all of the, the hype around it other than just like I, I've not been in the old one and it must have been a, a dump or something because the new one is oh, just, it's, it's like a it's like an NFL stadium and there's nobody in it. And it's not really, yeah. <laughs> it's like, yeah, I could it's see. It's better than Snapdragon, right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's like I could, I could see how this would be cool if you had fans here, but you don't and, you're, <laughs> you know, you're not going to. Yeah. Um, they're all at the, the various bars that are all stationed right <laughs> around the stadium. They're not really, they're not really a reason to be here in the cold. Um, it was a really bad football game from what I, from what I remember. It was not, it was not super compelling. There were some some special teams errors. There were some very bad penalties that that ultimately impacted that game, and Utah State's able to get the win. Um, I would assume that this is going to be this iteration is going to be a more watchable uh, version than that was. I, I think that yeah. these teams have both improved their 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 status offensively. Colorado State especially is is up almost 20 points per game compared to last season. They're up to almost 33 points per game this year from like 13.2 or something last year. Um Utah State obviously I think the offense still has some some kinks to iron out but has been better, has scored more, has been more successful against good teams um even if McKay Hillstead can't play, which I am operating under that assumption. I'm operating under the assumption, we're going to talk about Utah State's passing attack in a little bit, but I am operating under the assumption that McKill Haystead is not, McKay Hillstead is not going to play in this game because he suffered a concussion on Saturday, and that is a really, really quick turnaround. I don't, I think it's probably going to be Cooper who got here. Um, Yeah, yeah. So we'll we'll talk about that in a little bit, but um, I, I do think this is going to be, fun i'm trying to choose my words carefully here i don't know if it's going to be good i think it's going to be fun i think it's going to be entertaining um it usually is when these two teams play it's an important game for both teams uh looking to get on the board with a win in conference play colorado state had a uh, the classic week two bye week and will play uh 11 consecutive games to close out the season this is the the fourth, I think, of those games. Um, they lost to Colorado, beat Middle Tennessee State, and beat Utah Tech last week. Um, Utah State, of course, has played Air Force, lost to Air Force, looking for the first conference win as both of these teams get fully into league play. Um, it's a quiet week otherwise in the Mountain West with some teams on by. Um, I think it'll be fun. I, I don't know that it's, this is going to be like the greatest you know, football game you've ever seen. I don't know that the quality is going to be quite there. These are both teams that are working through some inconsistency that comes with being, you know, new teams. These are teams that have a lot of new faces, a lot of new players, a lot of transfers. 
Um, but I do think that there is a lot of talent on the field, and that is usually enough if your quarterbacks can stay healthy and upright to make for a compelling watch, even if it's not, you know, something that you would maybe cite as an example for like what football should look like. Yeah, I, it, it, this has all the makings in my mind of just being a really, really fun game. Uh, just for all the reasons you mentioned, I would even add to that. It is homecoming week for Utah State, so that always adds a little bit of just like, yeah. If, if you're into college sports, like homecoming matters. If you if you don't care, you, you don't care. But uh, but I think there is a special energy on campus this week, um, so that that adds a lot of just entertainment value if you're in the venue, and uh, I think that adds adds some some electric electricity to this matchup. And then even just going back to the last five matchups, I mean, Colorado state has to hate us, right? Like there's yeah. no way they <laughs> like losing to us. Yeah. Um, they, they should be, they should have won in eight 2018. They, you know, they are easily could have, at least they easily could have won in 2021 and they almost certainly would have won in 2019. But instead of rolling into this with three wins in five years, they haven't beat us on the field once they've got to be, uh, really fired up. They have to hate us. It's our homecoming week. It, it has, uh, you know, as all the makings of a very entertaining football game, even yeah. if it's not, you know, the best product <laughs> to highly polished teams. Uh, there's tons of talent, lots of emotions. So it'll be, yeah. it'll be a really fun one as they, you know, they both look for that first conference win getting into the, getting into the season. Um, yeah. I, th- I think I'll be, you know what, I'll, I'll take a wild guess here. I think if you are listening to the, the, um, what is it, game six preview for this Utah State team as a Utah State fan, you know it's probably not going to be the highest quality football in the world. And I think yeah, I think yeah. you've probably made your peace with that at this point. You've seen enough, yeah. <laughs> it's going to be a little bit weird. Um, there is also, I don't know, I, animosity wouldn't be the right word because I think that they are friendly. There is some crossover. There is some, some uh, similarities between these coaching staffs. There are guys who have... I don't know if there are guys who have worked together, but there are guys who come from very similar coaching trees, including, of course, at the top of both of these teams. Uh, Jay Norvell and Blake Anderson are both from different branches, but from the same tree, the kind of air raid adjacent tree. Anderson is more of a Larry Fedora style uh, of, of offense, and Norvell comes more from like the... I don't know that he actually worked under Mike Leach, but he worked at, at Oklahoma and has some... There's a lot of ties. Obviously, Matt Mummy, the offensive coordinator, is like royalty in that tree. He's the son of Hal Mummy, who's like the guy who invented the air raid. Um, there's a lot of crossover. There, there are a lot of connections um, between these staffs. A lot of familiarity, and that you know that can also make things for that. That can also make for you know an interesting matchup because these two teams do they do a lot of the same things. They have a very, they have a very similar approach to both building a roster and to what they do on the, on the football field. Yeah, they they do. And it's, it's going to be, you know, like we've said, it's, it's going to be kind of chaotic on the field, but you could see really just a, a high scoring, uh, high scoring game with the way that both of these offenses want to play. They like to put the, ball in the air they like a lot of yards they like to score a lot um and we'll you know we'll get into the details later but both both defenses are um involved you know both defenses will be yeah. playing in this football game <laughs> yes <laughs> uh that's a great way to put that yeah i mean it's it's gonna be uh you know at least uh trying to to parse out how this one's gonna go it would be as uh, a somewhat safe assumption to um 
to assume it's going to be a pretty offensive game because of the way both of these coaches like to coach and, yeah. and to build rosters. Um, I think they've both done a great job of building a roster this year. We'll talk about that more. Um, but I do think both coaches kind of, uh, at least on the Rams side, finally have kind of the personnel that Jay Norvell wants to run. Blake Anderson has had uh, teams at Utah State before that I think he was really pleased with, and, and he had his chance to to really run his offense. But I think, I think he has another one this year after not really having the roster that he would have wanted last year. But yeah. Um, two teams really trying to, I'd say trying to come into their final form a little bit. They both have the roster composition that they want. Um, I don't think either team has seen the results yet that they want on the field and both are going to be fighting pretty hard for that. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned Colorado state's stretch beyond this. It's, it's a brutal stretch. Let me pull it up actually real quick um, because it, it is tough. They play at Utah state and then Boise state at UNLV air force at Wyoming. And then they play San Diego state. Um, these guys are hungry and they have to figure it out. They, they want to beat this Utah state team because they look up and see those, those games. And, you know, if they get it clicked in against Utah state, things might look a little bit better. Um, if they don't, it could be a disastrous six weeks following. So uh, I think both, both teams kind of have the roster they want to run with. They just got to figure it out. And whoever figures it out first might, uh, might win this game and a lot more games to come, but. Um, I think that's the both, both teams. I think, like you mentioned, are, are in a similar position, not only the way they play, but the way they have built this roster. Yeah. And I, I do think that this is kind of a, <clears throat> both teams have aspirations beyond this. If, but if we're talking at the, the, you know, just, just purely realistic, looking at these schedules, looking at the path that both of these teams have, this is maybe a, a bowl matchup here. This is maybe a, if you win this, your path to six wins is a lot clearer than if you lose it, which is not saying yeah. a ton, but you know, both of these teams would love to win more than six games. They would love to not be seriously at the end of the season fighting for a bowl berth, right? They, they don't want the last game to be the one that gets them to six, but you look mm-hmm. at the schedules, you look at who they are set to play. Utah State, of course, has Fresno State at home next week. Um, there are tough games still left on the schedule. After that, they get Sandy, or San Jose State on the road uh, after the Fresno State game, and then finally a bye week, a much-needed bye week for them. Colorado State gets no such help with the bye week. They're, that's it. They're, they've had theirs. They are moving on um and have a lot of work to do to overcome that with you know neither of these teams have a ton of strong depth i think that there's top end talent here but this is a really really important game for both of these teams in trying to carve out a path to six wins if you lose this one it becomes really hard to find that path you need to pull some upsets and i think that you could say that for really for both sides yeah i'd say the same thing i've actually been thinking that same thing and trying to figure out like you know, if I was overthinking the importance of this game and, and I, I don't really don't think I am. I think it is a kind of a season. Yeah. Um, not, not quite season defining, but this could really set the precedent for either team, how the next few games are going to go. Uh, and so obviously I hope to be on the, on the winning side of that. Um, one thing before we, you know, let's, th- let's take one more quick step back before we really dive into to what this game might look like. Uh, while we're looking at the schedule moving forward, what do you think this team, Utah State, as we do begin conference play in earnest? You know, we had the one Air Force game had to come back out of conference play. As we get back into that, what do you see as being the uh, the ceiling and the floor kind of for this team going forward? Because uh, we've seen a little bit of everything. We've seen some wins, seen some some losses. 
how how could this season play out? I'm not, you know, I'm not asking you to tell me exactly how, but yeah, how um, do you think it's going? But like, what what do you see? How how could this go? I think that there are. You look at the schedule, and I, I think a lot of this is probably going to be contingent, as always, on the health of the team, which is right now not good. They have, you know, they were down four starting offensive linemen for most of the UConn game. That seems to be still up in the air. Obviously, McKay Hillstead um, goes down in that game. Cooper Lagaz is not the traditional backup quarterback, but he is not the guy who was named the starter um, these last couple weeks. Uh, and, and the defense has been banged up. They're down Pocassi Vacata at, at defensive tackle. And so I think that that's probably going to be, play a big part of it. The way that I have been looking at this schedule is that there are <clears throat> three three or four games left that Utah State should win. I would include this one. I think Utah State should win this game. I don't think that the 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 various um, advanced stats or like the betting stuff agrees with me on that. I think Colorado State is, we were talking about before the show, favored by three in this game. Um, yeah. But I would say this one, uh, Nevada at home and at New Mexico are all like, should be wins for Utah State, lean wins, you know, like they, they, they something that you, yeah. you if you play well, you will win the game against a, a, a team that is not amazing. Um, and then there are, I think, probably three hinge games in at San Jose State, at San Diego State, and Boise State at home. And then there's one that I have a hard time seeing Utah State win with Fresno State at home next week. It's not impossible. It's not impossible. Eastern Washington took those guys to overtime. I think Fresno State's probably better than it showed in that game. Um, but that is that's how I've been seeing it. And so, if that's the case, if you win all six of those, you know, possibly winnable games, then you're talking about what an eight and four team. Um, that would be pretty good <laughs> with the way that the season started. That would be pretty good for Utah State. I think that that is still a thing that could happen. I, it's it's you know technically possible, but I also don't think it's that hard to see that if Utah State can become the team that it has been in the second half of all the games that it has played this season. That team goes 8 and 4, maybe 9 and 3. The the second half yeah. of this team is is has been very good. If it's not that, if they continue to not start games well, which is just expected at this point with this team, um if the injuries take hold, I think that those hinge games probably become losses and that is not that's that's you know 5 and 7. You you got to get one of those hinge games to get to 6 and 6. That would be 5 and 7. If you drop this one then suddenly we're we're looking at a pretty a pretty bad year here for this team. I think 4 and 8 would be well within range at that point if you drop this one. This is a big one. It's, I don't know that make or break would be the right word, but this is a very very important game for this team both in the actual impact on the record it would put them at 3 and 3. Um, which is, given the, the first six games that they played, not that surprising. I, I think you could pretty easily, coming into the season, see them starting 3-3. Three and three. I think they've done it in a very weird way, but the result would make sense. Um, if you lose this one and you're looking at 2-4, and four, that's going to be really, really hard to come back from. And, you know, they, they bounced back from 1-4 and four and got to a bowl game last year. I think this schedule down the stretch is harder than that one was. Um, which is the nature of getting rid of the divisions, which the the Mountain West did this past off season. Um, this is a big one. It's it's a it's a really really big one for Utah State in in trying to reach the ceiling that I still think it could have. It's it's you got to win this one first though. You got to get some momentum. Yeah, I I'm right there with you. I think you 
Fresno, as much as I want to talk myself into that Fresno game, uh, like you said, it's possible. If we play our best, our, our, you know, our high end, what we've shown could beat every team that we've played and will play. I mean, there's, there's not a team on our schedule that we haven't played better than at one point in the game. Yeah. Um, We just haven't done it for four quarters. Um, I do think, you know, Nevada at home at New Mexico, those, those should be games where you take care of business and, uh, some of those other hinge games, I agree. San Diego State and Boise State don't necessarily look great this year, but they historically have earned my respect enough to the point where I cannot in good conscience say that they're bad or that we can count on wins those weeks. Those are yeah. uh, those are tough teams. Uh, even when they're not at their peak, they're, they're tough teams. Um, we do have the benefit of having one of the tougher teams, you know, in the rearview mirror now with Air Force, but I, I am right there with you. I think the uh, being bowl eligible is the expectation. That's the expectation every year in Logan. Yeah. Um, beyond that, eight and four would be uh, would be a it would be a feat. That would be pretty it'd impressive. Be, it'd be a feat. It'd be great. But um, but yeah, we talked about it more uh, in length. I think on the show earlier this week, the season goals are are still very in in place. Uh, winning this game makes them a lot easier. Losing this game makes it a lot harder. Yeah, if, um, if you lose this one, the path to competing seriously in the Mountain West is just about gone, I think. It, it would be <clears throat> having two losses and contending in the conference is hard as it is. Having two losses with one of, the, one of them coming against one of the, I think, lesser teams on your schedule, you really can't have that. You just can't. You can't do that. Um and I think they know that. <laughs> I think that the, the gravity of this game is, is pretty well understood on both sides here. Yeah. Yep. I would agree with that. <laughs> All um, right. You so want, let's, yeah, let's, let's talk about the game then. Let's, yeah, uh, let's, let's jump let's, in. Uh, let's start here. We're going to do this a little bit differently. We usually just start with the opposing offense and then jump to Utah State's. I have ordered these, I think, in importance for this game, and that means we're going to start with the Colorado State passing attack against Utah State's pass defense, but then we're going to go to Utah State's passing attack against Colorado State's pass defense because I don't think there's going to be a whole lot of running in this game. So let's dive right in here with the Rams. Um, Braden Fowler-Nicolosi has been the new starter at quarterback here for the last three weeks. He took over for Clay Millen against Washington State. I think it was a much-needed move. (laughs) Clay Millen just has not... He's just not very good. I don't think I need to sugarcoat it. He's just not a very good player. And I think that that Fowler-Nicolosi is is good. He's been really good for them. He's been just about perfect within 20 yards, which is the structure of their offense. He's 97 of 118 passing. That's 82.2% for 955 yards, nine touchdowns, only three interceptions on those throws. Um, that's like 90% of the, the dropbacks that he's had this season are on those those plays. Um, he's been good. He has been really, really good for this offense, and they have needed it because I think that that was the biggest thing they were really missing last year, and that has been the biggest difference to this year is the the receiving core is good and, and has, has improved, but it also isn't super new. There are some familiar faces in there. The biggest difference has been that they have a quarterback who can operate within this structure confidently and you know competently, honestly. Yeah, Jay Norvell definitely found his guy with Braden Fowler-Nicolosi. He is, uh, he's very good, fits the program great. I think for how similar these two teams uh, play and operate, um, probably the biggest difference, at least on the offensive side of the ball, or maybe even just in general with these two teams right now, is uh, Colorado State has their guy. They have yeah. their their guy at quarterback. They've had him pretty much all season. 
Um, he plays great. He fits well. He's exactly who Jay Norvell wants. And there's been, uh, you know, he's been able to stay healthy and there's been really no question that he's the guy. Yeah. Uh, whereas Utah State has had the the obvious, um, you know, injury and some of the, the confusion, not, not confusion, but, you know, starting with Laga, going back to McKay and then back to Laga. That's, that's the big difference. These guys, Fowler Nicolosi is the guy. Uh, and there's, there's no doubt that he's the guy he's, you know, you know, you, you ran through his numbers, but you know, he's already at 1300 yards and he's, he's very, very good. Yeah. Um, part of what makes him so good is he has a very, very talented receiving room yes. to throw to. Yeah. Um, Tory Horton is quite possibly um, the best wide receiver in the mountain West. Yeah. I, I don't think there is somebody better in the mountain West and he he's already caught for 540 yards, but behind him, they have four other guys, three other guys who have over a hundred yards. They have yeah. Dallin Holker, who's also very, very talented with 362. Uh, and then justice Ross Simmons is, you know, sitting at 280 yards. That's they, they have a very deep receiving room. Uh, they're making Fowler Nicolosi's job very easy and they're making him look very good. Yeah, and that is really how this Norvell offense, this Matt Mummy offense, is supposed to work. I think that that is one of the bigger differences in the way that these two programs approach offense is that for Colorado State, the idea is just to get the ball out and get it to these wide receivers and let them make plays. And it isn't really, you know, he'll, he has thrown the ball down the field occasionally this season. I think he's like 6 of 16 down the field. Um, he also has four interceptions when doing that, which is why they're not doing it a whole lot. Um, but unlike Utah State, which wants to use the short passing game to set up a deep passing game and also to help, you know, a rushing attack, Colorado State's really the the it's you know the means to the end for them is just the same. They want short passes. They want to get the ball to their wide receivers and let those guys make plays. And that's really the only thing that they're trying to do on offense. They want to. You know, they want to get the ball in Torrey Horton's hands and let him make a play, and he's done that extremely well. I think pretty much the only time over the last two years that he didn't do that was against Utah State last season. They they were able to largely shut him down. I don't know how they did that. Honestly, I don't know how they did that. Um, nobody else has had really any success doing that. He has been dominant this season. Um, Holker, the transfer at tight end from BYU, has been excellent for them. They really needed a guy like that, and he has stepped in very, very well. Norvell has a strong history of guys who are kind of... Holker is a tight end. He's a true tight end, but he has a really strong history of guys who are bigger, you know, not quite as fast, very good possession guys, guys who are hard to get on the ground. He had several of these at Nevada who were very important to what they do. Um, as a number two guy, as as somebody who's just consistently open and, uh, you know, a matchup problem difficult to cover. He has been very, very, very good for them. And then you have the two other receivers, Lewis Brown, the fourth, and Justice Ross Simmons, who have not been featured as heavily, but are also involved and will get the ball. They don't really, you know, they, they funnel it to Horton because he's always open, but they don't really pick and choose. It's more just who's there, who's open, who's down the field. They throw the ball a ton. They're going to throw the ball a ton in this game. Um, and they're hard to deal with. They're really, really hard to deal with through the air because they do have a lot of talent out wide, and because generally the ball leaves the backfield really quickly. It's hard to pressure against an offense like this because Fowler Nicolosi just gets it out of there. That's his job. He's he's hitting you know quick routes. He's hitting quick developing plays and letting those guys work. You have to 
you really have to rally to the ball when the ball does get out of the backfield, and you have to make it hard to get the ball out of the backfield. You have to find ways to contest passing lanes to get pressure, generally without blitzing. He's been excellent against the blitz this season because it's just not really, the offense isn't really built to keep him back there that long. It's hard to get home against these guys, and he's been really good at it, and these receivers are excellent. Yeah, he, he does have, yeah. I So I mentioned Dallin Holker kind of in that receiving group, but you're right, he, he is a tight end. He's a true tight end. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, and just in terms of guys that he has to throw to, Fowler Nicolosi, those those four guys, Torrey Horton, obviously the wide receiver, and then Dallin Holker, the tight end. Yeah. Uh, super, super talented dudes that are just being used just perfectly. I mean, they're they're being used exactly right. Um, and and to your point, getting getting home against these guys is tough for, you know, an average normal team. Utah State has displayed, you know, they've they've been particularly bad at, at blitzing the quarterback and pressuring the quarterback. Um, I I don't imagine Fowler Nicolosi spending much time on the turf this week. He's yeah. he's going to be able to he he naturally gets the ball out. That's the way they run their offense. He gets the ball out fast, and we just can't get into the backfield anyway. Yeah. So you can you can kind of assume that he's going to have a lot of these. But like you said, they they kind of throw that short pass not really to set up anything else. I mean, they they're certainly not doing it to to set up the rushing game because no. <laughs> we'll talk about this later, but here's the list of guys on Colorado state who have a hundred rushing yards this season, Avery Morrow. Yep. And he's hurt. That's the list. He's that hurt. is yeah. the list. And he's not playing. <laughs> so they are, they're not throwing the ball to, to set up the run. Yeah. They're throwing the ball. Cause that's what they do. And they don't even, you know, as you mentioned, they don't even go down the field as much. So it's, it's really, they have their system and they run it. Well, they run it really really well as you can see with some of the numbers that uh Fowler Nicolosi's put up as well as you know the those four guys catching for him yeah um, you know you mentioned Justice Ross Simmons and Lewis Brown uh the fourth aren't being targeted as much but still putting up really really pretty impressive numbers honestly yeah they are uh Colorado State for just for passing the ball they're sixth in pass play rate 61.1 percent of their plays are passes um they're 13th in success rate 52.7 uh yeah 52.7 percent explosiveness through the air is only 71st it's not really what they do they'll they'll have some big plays with yards after the catch but this is mostly a passing attack that works like a running attack. They want to they want to use it as an extension to avoid having to work behind this offensive line, which is not very good. But it yeah. does hold up pretty well for the passing game, especially with what they do and how quickly they get the ball out. And they have found, I think, pretty good success doing that. They've been able to stay out of bad passing downs for the most part. They haven't allowed a ton of pressure. Um, the, the best way that you can, that you can mess with this, with this kind of offense is by getting pressure with four is by being able to drop seven into coverage, making it harder for a quarterback to read the defense and to throw into it and then getting pressure on him, making so he can't just stand back there forever. And I don't think that this offensive line, which has one starter back, Jacob Gardner, who was a tackle for them last year, he's back at center. He was supposed to be a center last year, but injury moved him to guard, um, other than that, it's all new. They have some guys who have played before. They have guys who have experience. Um, left guard Oliver Jervis has, I think, yeah, 28 career snaps, but most of them were elsewhere. Same thing with Drew Moss, the right tackle. Um, it's it's uh, it's an older group, but it's not 
it's just not a very impressive group. It's it's they you know they can do what they are asked to do, and they really don't do a whole lot more than that. If you can get pressure with four, you can make this a very different game. But if you need to blitz to try and get pressure, if if you're just letting Fowler Nicolosi stand back there, he will kill you. He will he will you know pick you apart because there is no level of coverage against these receivers against this receiving core, including Holker that can hold up for that long. You you just, you need it to be, you know, the ball has to be coming out quickly, or if it doesn't, he needs to be on the ground. And Utah State just has not done a good job of that this season. It just has not gotten pressure with four. They really, really, really need it here. They really need to find some guys on the defensive line who can make plays. And if they can't find that, they need to, they got to figure some other things out. They have to figure out some ways to make advantages in the secondary to you know, bait a young quarterback into some bad decisions. I have not seen anybody other than Devin Dye and Ike Larson do that this season, and Utah State has those guys, and you can do that, but if you're not getting pressure consistently, it's going to need to be a couple interceptions. It's going to have to be some turnovers because this offense will just go right down the field on you if you if you don't have a way to to answer it consistently, and I don't know that Utah State really does. Yeah, the way this team plays, uh, Colorado State, um, and this is gonna sound this is gonna sound weird, but it's almost like Air Force, but with the passing, you yeah. know, with with the with the passing game. They Air Force, you know, what they do is they just run the ball five yards, run the ball five yards, you know, and it's boring and it's monotonous, but it works so well because they they're never getting negative yardage. They're always just consistently getting five yards. You know, they're not relying on explosive plays. These guys are really the same way, but in the air. Um, uh, Horton is averaging 12 yards per catch. Holker, 13.9. Uh, Ross Simmons, 15 and a half. Uh, Brown, 12.1. Like they, they just average 12 yards. That's yeah. like, that's just what they do every play, which that's, that's a lot, you know? And so the only way to stop that, as you mentioned, is getting into the backfield, which we have had a hard time doing to say you know, yeah. the least yeah. or to really, really mess with them and, you know, with our secondary. And I do think there's an opportunity there for your Devin dies and your Ike Larson's to really be a headache for Fowler Nicolosi. Um, but you're going to have to do something to give him a different look, give him, you know, bait him, as you said, into making mistakes uh, and, and to do it more than once. You're not going to be able to, to pick this guy off once and think that's enough because uh, they're, they just are so consistent. They move the ball so well. Yeah. Um, and, and you can't really, really rely on our offensive line, uh, at least based on what we've seen, if they're, if they're able to get into the backfield, it it does change things a little bit. But, uh, at this point, I think you're more, more relying on guys like Ike Larson and Devin die. Yeah. There's worse dudes to depend on, you know, if, you know, if, if you go into a game thinking, Oh, this game depends on Ike Larson and Devin die. That's generally not a bad thing, but uh, but this is a quarterback that could really pick your defense apart. Yeah, and re- receivers who are more than happy to let him do it. Um, yeah. All right, moving here to the other passing attack in this game, the Utah State passing attack against Colorado State's pass defense. Um, Colorado State's largely, it looks largely the same here in the secondary and up front. They lost a couple guys um, from both units. They lost both of their starting linebackers, which has been pretty impactful this season. I think more so for the run defense than the pass defense for obvious reasons, but we'll we'll talk about that as well. Um, but the safety core is the same as it has been. Henry Blackburn, 
uh, Aiden Hector and Jack Howell. Those three were the starters last year. They're the starters this year. They are, they're good. I, I think it's, it's firmly a good group. I don't think any of the three are tremendous. I, I, they're just, they're good. They are, they are solid players. They make good tackles. They are, they're consistently good as, as tacklers and they're able to kind of uh, not rein in big plays wouldn't be the right word because they have surrendered some big plays still, but they are able to rally to the ball and they don't really make a ton of mistakes at the point of contact, which has been important for them. Um, especially because the the one place where there really is new here in this secondary is at the second cornerback spot. Um, they bring back, uh, I think it was an All-Mountain West player for them, Last season, um, cornerback, who I can't find listed on the pronunciation guide. Here he is. Um, Chigose uh, Anusium. Yeah, Chigose Anusium, who was uh, an all-Mountain West cornerback for them last year. He was their number one guy. He remains the number one guy. But the number two guy has been not consistent. Um, Ron Hardage, who was an Oregon State transfer, was there briefly. I think he's still listed as the starter on the depth chart. He's not been very good. Um, North Dakota State transfer Dom Jones has also tried a little bit. He's not been very good. And true freshman TJ Crandall has tried there a little bit, and he's not been very good. That second cornerback spot has been an issue for them, and they've not gotten a ton of help underneath from the new linebackers. Um, those guys, Justin Sanchez and Chase Wilson, I think could grow into their roles a little bit. Wilson's been here for a while. They have some experience in that room, but they haven't gotten a lot of help underneath, and the cornerbacks have they've struggled. They, they've definitely struggled in that, that number two spot. And if you have, you know, an offense with several weapons as, as Utah state does on the outside, I think that there is room to work against this secondary against, you know, somebody like Hector at nickel, the speed of this secondary is not, is not great. And I think that Utah state has an advantage there. And that's really the, I mean, that's the advantage for Utah state in basically every game that it plays is the speed that it has on the perimeter. Yeah, it, it is a, it that is the the advantage that Utah State carries with them pretty much game in, game out. Uh no different this time. I mean, they have you know, you mentioned the weakness at that second cornerback spot. Well, luckily we have some depth at the receiving spot. Uh we saw it firsthand last week with Jalen Royals. Um you know, if you have to decide who who are you gonna stop, Terrell Vaughn or Jalen Royals, that's a tough that's a tough uh, decision to make because yeah. the other one's going to go off. Yeah. Uh, add to that, add to the mix, you know, Micah Davis, Colby Bowman, um, even, you know, Otto Tia, who we haven't seen yeah. as much as I think either of us thought, but I'll say Brock Lane as well. Brock Lane's been pretty good from yeah. tight end this season. And he is somebody who you do have to worry about because if you are, as UConn did consistently, <laughs> if you are selling out to try to take away the, the downfield pass, if you're playing off coverage, if you're dropping into a, a pretty, a pretty deep zone and forcing Utah State to beat you underneath. Um, Cooper Legal was willing to do that against UConn, and he did it. He did it quite a bit. I, I went through for the film review uh, yesterday, the film review story, and, and watched all of his his dropbacks against UConn again. And quite a bit of it was just like, yeah, UConn is daring him to beat them underneath and get the ball out quickly, and he did it pretty much every single time. He was he was very very good at that, and that's not you know an extraordinary performance, but if he is capable of doing that, if the timing is right, you really can't do that. You really can't sell out to try and take away the downfield passing game because Utah State will just gladly, you know, dink and dunk its way down the field. And Brock Lane is a big part of that. Yeah, no, he is. And and to your point, like, I think this game, or at least, on, you know, this side of the ball, 
for Utah State does come down to what Cooper Lagaz able and ready to do. Um, I'm I'm really not worried about our our receivers. I think we have the depth at the receiving core. Like, okay, go ahead and stop Vaughn. That's fine. Like, <laughs> Jalen Royals will have another game like last week. If you want to stop Royals, like Terrell Vaughn will get back engaged. Like he wasn't at at all against UConn. Yeah. Um, what it's going to come down to is is Cooper Lega going to be the Cooper Lega that we need him to be, or is he going to be kind of uh, back to the the lower version of himself that we've seen at times, the the version of himself that got himself benched, you know, is he going to yeah. be fidgety and indecisive? That could be an issue because this Colorado State team will, you know, they'll, they're good enough to make him pay for that. Um, yeah, they get good pressure too. They they have. They do. They do. The the defensive line is not. I, I don't think it's like loaded across the board. They have some guys on this line at, at tackle who are decent. I think Cam Barreto is fine for them. Grady Kelly has been pretty good. James Mitchell's been pretty good off the bench. I think that's a pretty good top three for, for defensive tackles. Um, <clears throat> they have a new starter uh, at, at defensive end in Newer Gatkuth, who is a, a really, really good athlete who's not really turned it into a ton of production yet, but I do like him a lot, redshirt sophomore. Um, really making his first impact here, as well as Tony Pierce Jr. off the bench, North Dakota State transfer who has played a million football games. He has 56 games played in his career. But the big name up front is, of course, uh, Muhammad Kamara, who has been there. Speaking of guys who have played a million football games, he has been there forever. <laughs> he's very good. He's He's been consistently good. I think he has six and a half sacks and eight tackles for loss this season. He is the guy who they move around and try to hunt matchups with, try to find pressure. Um, this is a, I think it's an average to maybe a little bit above average pass rush. Um, and if, if Lega is not decisive, if he is fidgety in the pocket, they will take advantage of that. If he's getting the ball out quickly, it would be kind of the same conversation we were just having about Colorado state where, you know, you need to get pressure with four, but you also have to understand that the ball is going to come out pretty quickly, regardless of what you do up front. Utah state needs to have the same thing going on here. I, I, I think that this is very much a, Cooper being decisive, being confident, being sure in his decisions and making the right decisions kind of game. This is not one where you need him to come out and, and be, you know, Jordan Love reincarnated where he's throwing the ball all over the field. Just make the right throw. Just make the right decision. Yeah, this this game cannot go to Levi Williams. We'll say that. Like, no. if, if Cooper, if Cooper's <laughs> not playing, like, you can't bench him. You We're, st- we're stuck. Uh, you know, he's got to figure it out. And, and to your point, like, it, it is similar that the ball – can or at least needs to come out quickly uh for both teams but utah state in particular but but the thing is they have camara who you know if it's not coming out quickly it's it's gonna be uh losing a lot a lot of yards he'll let you know about it yeah yeah he is really good i mean he's he's just he's gonna get back there he's he's gonna hurry the quarterback he's gonna tackle the quarterback he's you know he's even forced two fumbles this year He's a scary, scary dude to light up against. He's, yeah. He is the uh, the pride and joy, I think, of that defensive line and probably of the defense in general. He is very, very good. Yeah, he is really the thing that makes it go up front and, and for this pass rushing unit in general. If, if Utah State can figure out some answers for him, it would be a much more comfortable day for, for, for Cooper Lagan. I think yes, part of that yeah. is probably going to be the offensive line, which we mentioned was, was very, very badly dinged up against UConn. If it is another week where we're seeing four backups out there, it's this is not a great matchup for for Utah State trying to deal with that guy because they will just move him around and find whoever is is the weak spot 
on the offensive line and you know backups are not you're not putting your backups in a great spot when you're playing against a defense that can do that um I just it's not really it's not really reasonable to ask like Bryce Radford to handle this guy for a full game that is that is not it's just not a good matchup for a young guy who's taking his first real his first real snaps at the college level um and so Utah State would be I think uh, would benefit quite a bit from having its line largely healthy and would also benefit quite a bit from something that they did a couple times against UConn, which is just send three receivers down the field and leave a halfback and leave Brock Lane in the backfield and help those guys block. Um, I would guess that if the line is still dinged up, um, that will be a pretty big part of the approach is just, you know, Royals, Davis, and and Vaughn, or Royals, Vaughn, and, and Bowman, or whatever the combination is, Go run routes. Go go get open down the field. We're going to leave everybody else back to help Cooper stay upright to help this line handle itself. I think Utah State has some answers here, but it needs to have them early. It can't, it can't just have them in the second half because I think Colorado State is firmly better than UConn, and I think that most teams that are better than UConn will probably beat Utah State for doing that. Yeah, yeah, and to, to your point, like we do have, I think, the depth at receiving to just send three. I mean, if you're yep. only sending a combination of three of the following dudes between Royal Royals, Vaughn Davis Bowman. Yeah. Um, you, you're that's, that's fine. Like we, those are three very formidable guys. They're, you know, e- each capable of being probably the number one receiver on, on a team of a, of a, you know, high caliber G five team. Yeah. Uh, and so I do think you probably shift to something like that. And at Utah State is fortunate to have the guys to be able to, to run that type of offense. But, uh, I mean, if you're doing that out of necessity because you can't keep the quarterback upright, that, that's always a problem, um, even if it does seem to to work out only sending three guys down the field. It, it could be a problem. Yeah. All right, moving to the other part of the Utah State offense here, the rushing attack against the Colorado State run defense. This is a... <sighs> This is a matchup that, honestly, I don't have a ton to say about. I think that Utah State should be able to find some things that work on the ground here. Colorado State's run defense has been okay. I think probably a little bit below average. It is roughly average in success rate. Doesn't give up a ton of explosives, but has given up some. Um, All of the line stats are right around average. Havoc is right around average. They're just about average. And Utah State, I think... Again, if the line is healthier, healthier, it could have some success here against those inexperienced linebackers doing some misdirection, doing some things in the backfield that can move those guys out of position. Cooper is obviously a threat to run, and I think that will be a part of the offense as well. Um, but if the offensive line is dinged up, it's just it's going to be hard to do. And there's size up front here for Colorado State, even if it isn't the most productive size in the world. They've got... 250, 300, 285, and 230 in the starting lineup, but then behind them you got 250 and 290 in in terms of weights. And uh, Utah State has had issues with big off or big defensive lines, and this is not the biggest defensive line they've seen, but it is big enough. Um, I think it's probably again just going to come down to the health of the offensive line really more than anything. Because if the line is healthy enough, I think Utah State could make up some ground here and could you know hold onto the ball a little bit longer than it wants to usually, and and maybe just keep that offense, that Colorado State passing attack off the field for as long as possible. Um, that is another potential place where the Aggies can can pick away here and can, you know, control this game a little bit more. But I don't know that they can do it with four backups up there. Yeah, it's it, 
just like everything else on this offensive side of the ball, uh, it comes down to the offensive line. I will say outside of that, though, this is an aspect of the game that I'm I'm actually a little bit more optimistic about, I think, than, than you would be. Um, I think Utah State's ability to run the ball should show pretty uh, pretty evidently here against Colorado State. They haven't shown to be the strongest at being able to stop the run. Um, and just even thinking back to what we were able to do against G, uh, JMU, JMU was a proven rush-stopping team, uh, and we did not make them look that way. Uh, and so if you come into this game and you're not a proven, and you, you, you have a defense that hasn't proven its ability to stop the run, uh, I think Utah State has the weapons to take advantage of that. Yeah, uh, we talk, We've talked about Faison before, Razul Faison. Um, this is just a game that he's, again, probably not going to be too involved in. He's just not going to be able to have that many snaps just because, as we've talked about, his his main issue is just that he can't protect the quarterback as well as the other guys. And so it's probably going to be a Booth and Briggs game. And then, like you mentioned, Cooper Lagai is very willing to to move the chains with his legs. I mean, he's more than willing to yeah. run if you give it to him. And I think at that point in this game, uh, that will that that should should happen quite a bit. Uh, yeah, I like the matchup of of Laga as a runner against these linebackers. I think that he can take yeah. advantage of that. These guys are, like I said, inexperienced. There's room there. Um, it's just a matter of doing it, which has been the question all season for Utah State. Um, as for the last of the four matchups here, the Colorado State rushing attack against the Utah State run defense. Um, uh, <laughs> if Colorado State has a rushing attack in this game, it would be the first time. That That is what I will say here. They don't run the ball. They can't run the ball. This line is not built to run the ball. Avery Morrow has an MCL injury. He's the only one above 100 yards on the ground this season. He did not do it in efficient fashion at all. Um, they are... They're bad at running the football, and they mostly don't do it. Um, Backup Kobe Johnson is, I think, day-to-day. If he plays, it would be uh, better than if he doesn't play. He's a a North Dakota State transfer. He's not had a ton of success. He's not, you know, been very efficient this year because nobody has for this rushing attack. But he is a better option than the guys behind him, which would be walk-on redshirt sophomore Van Shield or true freshman Damian Henderson II. Henderson, I will say, was a highly touted recruit, but... It just doesn't matter behind this offensive line. These guys can't run the ball, and I don't think they're going to very much here. Yeah, I don't have much to add to that. They they just they haven't. They can't. They won't. Uh, this is not a team that runs the ball. I think Jay Norvell is uh, he likes kind of that air raid adjacent offense, and this yeah. personnel is maybe forcing his hand to lean into that even more than he would like. Yeah. Um, I think they would like to be able to run the ball a little bit more than they can right now. You think, (laughs) but um, yeah, they're currently the advanced, the advanced stats here. Uh, They're 126th in rushing play success rate, 34.7%, 133rd on uh, explosiveness that there are 133 teams in the rankings Um, (laughs) and all of their line stats it is just it, it's it's blood red here. 127th in power success percentage, uh, 123rd in stuff rate allowed, 131st in line yards per per run, uh, 133 in second level yards, and 132 in open field yards. They don't run the ball. They can't run the ball. It is not a part of this offense at this point. Yeah, Kobe Johnson, the the day to day backup running back holds the longest run on the team right now and it's 13 yards oh Oh, boy that's not very many (laughs) 
That is not very – I mean, can you imagine your your season-long run is barely a first down in some? Yeah. Not good. Not good at all. <laughs> no. Um, Avery is, Mara, uh... the, he's not playing, but his longest run is not even a first down. It's nine yards, which yeah. I know that he's not playing, but that just shows what this team is able to do. When your number one guy has yet to run 10 yards and he's out for the season now, but not a good team. Not not a good team on the ball uh, on no. the ground. No. Um, which could be in Utah State's favor, not only because of that, but it also makes it a little bit easier to game plan, uh, you know, on, on defense with a quarterback and a receiving core that is very, very talented. Yeah, knowing that they're not going to run the ball does does help uh, make Joe Coffin's job a lot easier this week because they yeah. just they just can't do it. No, they can't, and they just generally probably won't try to i think which is uh, wise on their part i also wouldn't try to if this was the personnel i had available yeah. there's just not a their there's whole not team there's not an fbs rushing attack here no their, their whole team has 284 yards devon booth has 254 devon yeah. booth alone has 30 yeah. yards less than their whole team um <laughs> Faison has 208 yeah briggs has 131 these guys yeah they're they're not going to run the ball. No. Yeah. And, and and Fowler Nicolosi is not really a threat to run either. And that's not, he doesn't really need to be. That's not what they want him to do. Um, but he's not going to. It's 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 yeah. just, it's not a part of the offense at this point. Um, the, you know, Utah State has played a team kind of like this before. I hesitate to even compare Colorado State and Idaho State because they are so yeah, yeah. the talent in the passing attack is so wildly different that it is not a fair comparison for either team but in approach in pure play calling and, and game planning and all of that stuff you can kind of look at what you did for the the game plan there and maybe um improve it <laughs> maybe do it yeah, better yeah. than you did against Idaho State <laughs> um and uh, and kind of work from there because it is not it's not dissimilar in this sort of the the play calling splits that you're going to see in this game. Yeah, in theory, it's it's a similar offense. Idaho State probably the most similar offense that we've seen this year would be Idaho State. Um, but as you as you say, that's a little bit of a disservice probably to both teams to compare yeah. Colorado State and Idaho State. But yeah, here's here's theory, uh, here's one like yeah team. here's Idaho State if Idaho State had good players basically, um, <laughs> yeah. which is harsh, but also. They were one and ten last year. It's not their fault. Um, yeah, their FCS were. This is you know, <laughs> yeah. if Idaho State was in the Mountain West, I mean, they this is what they would do. This yep. is what they would look like. Yeah. Yep. Um, so as for how this happens, I have no idea. Uh, we have this on here. This <laughs> is a this is a thing we do here at the end of the at the preview. I have no clue. I really honestly don't have a prediction. I I don't know. I don't know. I, it could be anything. I, <laughs> no idea. I history between these two teams would indicate that it is close is this going to be a one score game and they're going to screw something up i mean that's i don't know it's i have no idea yeah i i do have i'll do a little teaser here for the film preview i've not written this yet but i am preparing to write this tomorrow and this will be up on the site for the ten dollar tier subscribers um i spent this entire morning uh here thursday morning cutting clips of uh colorado state's special teams just keep an eye on it just keep an eye on it uh, that's that's what I'm gonna say at this point is that there is, um, there's an opportunity <laughs> for a for an opportunistic Utah State special teams unit against a a Colorado State field goal kicking unit punting unit. The kickoff return is pretty good. 
Um, the punt return is pretty good. But there is a, there's some room for Utah State to, to maybe make a play that changes the game on special teams. And we've seen that happen like four times in the last four games between yeah. these two teams. Yeah. And so just something to keep in the back of your mind that special teams could end up playing a, uh, a pretty big you know, role in, in determining this game. And I would say that that pretty clearly favors Utah State. In, in a game that is filled with sort of muddy matchups that you can't really get a great feel for, the special teams is in Utah State's favor. Yeah, that that is true. That's probably been true in, uh, you know, probably a few of the games Utah State has played. That'll be true in a few more. Um, yeah. But when it's uh, when it's a discrepancy this large, you uh, you can't help but be a little bit excited to see what the special teams matchups look like yeah. uh, this game. So that should yep. be very good. All right, let's talk about the other two games in the Mountain West here real quick, and then we will get yeah. out of here. Fresno State at Wyoming and San Jose State at Boise State are the only other two games in the conference, although the other teams, I believe, are on bye weeks. I would assume they're on bye weeks. They're not listed on the schedule, and I don't think they play. Um, these are good. These are good games. I think that Fresno State-Wyoming is firmly uh, better <laughs> and more interesting and will be one that... Um, you know, I think a lot of people will be watching pretty closely. That one got flexed into the Fox, you know, primetime window, which is really cool. I, I like that they can do that. I like that they did do that for this game. Um, the way that I have been talking about this one is basically, and this would sound familiar, I think, to, for, for Utah State fans, um, Fresno State is better. And if this is just a standard, normal football game, Fresno State, I think, will win. Um, do you know Fresno State has the number four defense and success rate nationally? Just something to something to keep an eye on. Their defense is very good. Um, it's not just it's not just the Tedford offense. But if it's not a standard football game because it's being played at night in Laramie against Wyoming, which never ever plays a standard football game, <laughs> I think Wyoming could make this a mess and could maybe win it because of that. Could pull off an upset because of that. They're very very good at making games stupid and messy. And getting this at home at night does make me. It does make me wonder if the wind is going to be whipping in Laramie and Fresno State's going to have a hard night because it's a place that everybody has a hard night. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like you said, you know, I couldn't say it any better myself. Utah State fans are getting probably frustrated and annoyed with our inability to just play a normal football game. Mm-hmm. Man, Wyoming's been dealing with this since like 2014. On, on purpose. They um, love to do it. They don't <laughs> They don't want it to be a normal football game. They want it to be as slow as possible, and they want to run yeah. for three yards on every play, and that's the only thing they have any interest in. It's probably a good thing that Utah State and Wyoming don't play this year because it would be – It is, I it would be. They would reach the singularity. It would be the dumbest football game we see. Uh, <laughs> no, it, would, no, it would, yeah. No thank it would you. Put, Utah State, Colorado State up for its money. You know, yeah. that, that game is weird. That Utah State, Wyoming would be absurd. Um, yeah, Craig Bull, Craig Bull doesn't play normal football games because he doesn't know how or because yeah. he doesn't want to. He doesn't, want I can't to. He doesn't care. He doesn't care about doing yeah. that. He just wants to do it his own way, and he's very good at it. They've, they've won a lot of football games by doing that. Yeah, but I will say that that is a huge, huge game um, that is going to have – conference championship implications without a doubt um fresno state is the best team in the conference right now they are ranked air force is right behind them but behind the top two it's probably wyoming wyoming is right there wyoming wants to be in the championship game this week or this year uh, they've shown that they can probably do it. This will be a big test for, for yeah. the Pokes. This is a big opportunity for them to uh, yeah. to establish <laughs> themselves as that number two, you know, team along with Air Force. Um, 
and the first of several really, really tough games for Wyoming. This is a very difficult stretch for them. Um, the other one here, San Jose State at Boise State. Um, I am. I think the main thing I'm interested in here, honestly, one is I'm just I'm. I don't really know what to think about San Jose State yet. Their record is not good, but I think that they're probably better than their record. And I would like to. I'd like to just see them play. I'd like to see them play against a you know a, a pretty good. Uh, pretty good might be generous against a a team with a lot of talent against a traditional Mountain West power in Boise State. Um, on the Boise State side of things, I think is where I'm more interested because. I saw this week, and I don't know how much I'm going to believe this because coaches say this kind of thing all the time. Um, I think Andy Avalos said that they were going to use both quarterbacks. He said they were going to use both Maddox Madsen and Taylor Green. Um, I'm not really into, I don't really want to be giving Andy Avalos free advice, but uh, don't do that. (laughs) Don't do that. (laughs) Don't do that. You don't need to do that. Just go with Maddox Madsen. It's fine. You don't have to play Taylor Green. He's not good. Just play the one who gets the ball out on time and you know in the right place don't no no two quarterback systems just i'm staunchly opposed under any circumstances to a two quarterback system it is not it doesn't work (laughs) it just doesn't work it's not a good idea very weird very weird comment from from the head coach of boise why would you say it just don't say that (laughs) just say we're still and also don't do it like well i mean let's no, do it as a Utah State player. Do it. <laughs> yeah, um, no, it's fact, a good do idea. Do that for the rest of the the year. Just continue to do that. Play Taylor Green more. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just alternate possessions. Just put you know, <laughs> put them both. Alternate out there. snaps. Why not? Yeah. yeah why not? Um, um, yeah. You, I think this just this matchup. What I'm looking at is, are we really that bad on both of these teams? Yeah. I think Boise State has not started the way that they wanted to, but to their credit, like I mentioned earlier in the show. They're a team that has my respect because of what they've done historically. Um, They have started, you know, they've done this before where they look bad and then figure it out for conference play. Uh, It'll be interesting to see what they do. And then San Jose State, their record is not good. They look better than their record. So it's really just, you know, are these teams bad? Are they not bad? That's kind of what I'm looking for in this game. Maybe they're both bad. Maybe they're not. It's, it's a weird game for sure. Um, but yeah, it'll be a fun one. There's, there's no boring football games in the Mountain West. That's that's for sure. Especially not this week. There are there are not enough <laughs> games for yeah. there to be any boring games. And all of the teams who aren't interesting are on buys. So um, we're, we're in a good, yeah, we're in a good spot. True. Nevada not playing. New Mexico not playing. That's, uh, that's good for the conference. The more that those two teams can <laughs> yeah. just not play, the better. Um, let's give Nevada 12 buys. Yeah, let's give them the year off. <laughs> Yeah. You guys can take the year off and we try to figure some things out. We could combine New Mexico out. and Nevada, and it would still probably not be an interesting team. Yeah, maybe you get Hawaii in there, and you start to have like maybe a bowl team. Um, that's, yeah, that's the very... new Nevada Rainbow Warriors yeah. would probably win five games. <laughs> that's very bleak. That's very bleak <laughs> that you could combine the three worst teams in the conference, and it's still like, I don't know that they would be a bowl team. They might get close. I think that you'd probably have a... Uh, you know, maybe a decent team from those three. I would guess a lot of the team is probably coming from Hawaii. Um, probably. Hawaii is at least fun. They're, yeah. They're fun. Hawaii has things that it does. Um, that's, a, that's a step in the right direction. Um, <laughs> yeah. But thankfully, we don't need to talk yeah. about those three right now because they are not – they're not playing. So They don't play. Yeah, not yeah. my problem. None of my concern this week. Yep. <laughs> out of sight, out of mind. Yep. 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 All right. I think that's all I have, Parker. Unless you have anything else, we'll get out of here. 
yeah man that's it solid week i'm stoked for it yep we will talk to you all um soon